0: in
1: splendor and girded with praise thy bountiful care what tongue can recite it breathes in the air it shines in the light it streams from the hills it descends to the plain and sweetly distills in children of dust and feeble as frail in thee do we trust nor find thee to fail thy mercies how tender how firm to the end our maker defender redeemer
0: crying out for it, and that's what we're going to do, preach the word. This is a great uh, holiday weekend. There's a lot of you that are visiting, I noticed, from out of town. There's several faces that I don't recognize. Some of you may be visiting from in town, and uh, all of you are our guests, and we're glad you're here, especially for visiting from in town. We're so glad. We hope you'll come back. This is a holiday, and it's, you know we get a day out of school or maybe a day off work or whatever, but uh, Martin Luther King Day, is that right? Did I get that right? And so Martin Luther King, uh, what I just my personal belief, just a prophetic voice that uh, here I've heard people say before, oh, I have a gift of prophecy. And they usually want to gripe about something that they're not getting, you know, that they like, that's something for them personally. You know? This is what I want. And I have a prophetic voice to speak it. You know? But he spoke for not, not just himself. He spoke for uh, a nation, really. He spoke for uh, ethnicities. So I'm thankful for him today. I'm grateful for him. And I'm grateful today that we are not a white, middle-class church only. I am thankful that we have uh, people here from many different ethnicities. And we don't even hardly notice that, to be honest with you, because we're here and we see Jesus in each other. That's what we see. We see Jesus in each other. And, And so... Uh, I, even, I mean, there's, there, there are white people here, there's Caucasians here, and there's even people, you guys even accept me, I'm not Caucasian, I'm milk white. That's what I am, milk white, okay? And uh, even me, even I, even I get to come, all right? And I'm accepted and I'm loved and I'm thankful for that. And so because we do have a lot of visitors, and just so that you look around and look for somebody that doesn't look just like you or somebody that you don't know, I want you to stand up and go give somebody a hug. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. On your mark, get set, go, go. All right, good deal. That sounds good. That sounds good. That's good stuff. That's what we want to be about here. It's about loving one another, loving each other, and we hope you feel we hope you feel loved today. We hope you feel accepted while you're here. We hope you, uh, on some level, we hope you feel comfortable. You know, as far as like the temperature and the chairs and stuff. But we hope that for every single one of us here, that God's word doesn't let us be comfortable today. We hope that God's word stirs some things up in us, and we leave here today different than when we arrived. We're, we're in this little short series. Today's the last last lesson called "The Weight of Glory" that we started uh, right after the beginning of the year because it's the new year and it's when we think about some changes. We think about some New Year's quote-unquote resolutions that we're going to make, and, and we keep we keep those. We write them down and we keep them for about seven or eight days. You know, we keep those resolutions. And and then uh, I, I was thought about asking how many of you have already broke your resolution, but I decided that I didn't want to embarrass myself, so I didn't I didn't say to put that in here. So, uh, but it is a time we think about those. We think about changes in our life, and and what I've tried to encourage you to do is to think about that picture of a boulder rolling down into water, and the boulder has the weight. That's what the word glory one of the meanings weight, and it has the weight to. Splash down into the water. It's heavier than the water. And all the water has to rearrange around the weight of the boulder falling into the water. And I've encouraged us the last couple of weeks to be thinking about asking God with all of His glory, all of His weight, all that He is, everything about Him, to fall full force into our life. And if there need to be any changes in our life, that we would rearrange our life around Him. That's what these, these lessons... Have been about, and so we're going to think about that one more time today. Let's let's pray, and then we'll we'll uh, read Psalm 95. God, we love you. It's good to be together today. It's good to worship. It's good to uh, commune together. It's good to sing. It's good to hear your word. Thank you, God. I just I want to thank you, God, for the the ministry that you did in the life of Martin Luther King. And uh, God, we just pray that that we might uh, see all people equal value that we might see all people as your creation and that we might love and appreciate one another because of you. Thank you God. Thank you for your text today, this Bible. We believe these ancient words and we ask you Holy Spirit to teach us. We pray in the name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. All right, let's let's read the word and then we'll uh, do a little preaching here. Psalm 95, we read this last week. Let's do it again. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and with song. For the Lord is a great God. He's the great King above all gods. In His hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks. They belong to Him. The sea is His. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Today, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. As you did at Meribah, as you did the day at Masa in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my way. So I declared an oath in my anger. They will never enter my rest. Psalm 95, for... For millennium, this has been one of the pieces of Scripture that has formed people's worship. And we said there's three questions that this particular psalm answers for us. The first one is, what is worship? And the second one is, why worship? And the third one is, how can we worship or how can we worship better? And so last week we talked about what is worship. It's ascribing glory those are words we just don't use very often, ascribing glory. But we talked about, you remember we talked about the jeweler's loop, the little eye thingy that the jeweler looks through? And, and so if, if we can be looking through that and studying who God is, and then when we see His amazing great worth, that we would acknowledge it, that we would recognize it, that we would let our lives be arranged around the beauty of Him, letting the weight of glory fall in our lives. And we said last week that has to be done with all of us. It can't just be an emotional thing. It is emotional, but it can't just be emotional. And it can't just be a mind thing. It can't just be a head trip. It is, it is our reasoning, but it can't just be that. And it, and it can't only be the stuff we do, although it is the stuff we do. It's all of us that we worship with our mind. We worship with our heart. We worship with our actions. We worship with all of who we are. So that's what we've talked about so far. And now the question is, well, why should we worship? Why worship? And here's the answer that this psalm gives us. One of the answers, anyway, is because you already are worshiping something. You're already worshiping something before you worship God. It's not a matter of starting something new. Oh, I've never worshiped before. I don't know how to worship. I don't know what that is. No, even before you ever started worshiping God, you were already worshiping something. It's a matter of simply... It's a matter of simply reassigning the worship that you're giving in other places in your life to the only thing that is worthy, the only thing that has real weight and real glory in the universe, the only thing that is worth giving worship to, and that's Jehovah God. And you may say, well, John, uh, come on now. What do you mean we're worshiping other things? That's from the dark ages. That's the other people that aren't educated, or that's whatever. that You know, other people in... You know, maybe the jungle somewhere they worship, you know, things they don't understand. I mean, come on. Well, you look in verse 3 of this text, and, and it says this. It says, uh, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. Little g gods. I I remember having a conversation one time. I can't remember who it was with. It was somebody from here at Gateway. You can tell me later if it's you. But somebody was telling me, one time, and it's been a, a few years ago, actually, we were, we were singing a song. It was when I used to be the worship minister, and we were singing a song that was about God is a great God above all other gods. And the person said to me, I don't like that song. And I said, okay, you know, why, why don't, what, do you, what do you not like about it? Well, it says there's other gods, and we know there's only one God. So why would we sing a song that acknowledges that there's any other gods? There aren't any other gods. That's not true. The Bible says, He's the great God, capital G, above all little g gods. Whatever we are worshiping is our God. So maybe for you it's your relationships. Maybe it's your husband or wife. Maybe it's your family. Maybe you're single and it's the person you hope to marry. And that's what you're worshiping. It's relationships. And you worship that. And here's the way maybe we can sometimes tell that. If that messes up, if we break up with that person or if that relationship starts to go bad and we're not talking to that person and we freak out. I mean, that's technical language, you know, church, biblical, technical language. We freak out. Well, if that happens, I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about our relationships, but if that, if that happens, see, other people, they, they have problems in their relationships and they are concerned and they work on that, but they don't freak out. Other people Uh, Maybe it's not relationships. Maybe it's money. And and when when the stock market crashes or when your business doesn't do well or or when something goes wrong and somebody steals a bunch of money, whatever, some people freak out. See, when we freak out, we we kind of figure out, that's that's the thing that I'm depending on. That's the thing I'm worshiping. That's the thing I'm freaking out about. It's it's back to that illustration of the rock falling in the water, and the water has to rearrange around it. And I want to say this to you. I, I want to actually ask you this question. What rock, what big boulder has rolled into your life, and it's the center of your life, and everything goes around it? Lots of things could change, but, but this thing is not going to change right here. Well, we've got to make some changes, and so we're going to start rearranging things. We're going to move stuff around, but that one thing is going to stay. What is that one thing for you? Whatever that one thing is, what you're worshiping. It's it's not Jehovah God, it's the little g God. It's the thing we desire. A children's book came out uh, in the last decade, and and there was an illustration that I think helps us a little bit with this uh, about a mirror. It was called The Mirror of Arased. And and the main character uh, named Harry, he gets this mirror, and he looks inside this mirror, and when he does, he, he stares in the mirror of Erised. And, it, and it's a children's book, so it's not real subtle. Arased is just the word desire spelled backwards, okay? And so he looks in the mirror, and he sees, when he looks in there, his parents. And his parents are with him, and they have their arms around him, and they're patting him, and they're happy, and they're together. And see, the, the weird thing about that is his parents have died. His parents have died, and he's seeing them in the mirror. And he thinks, well, this must be some kind of magic. And he runs, and he gets... He runs to get his friend, uh, Ron, to come look in the mirror with him to see his parents. And Ron is kind of the nerd in the story. Ron, nobody really likes Ron. Uh, Ron. They pick on him. And, and so Ron comes running, and he looks in the mirror. And when he gets there, uh, what he sees is that he's the team captain. He's popular. Everybody loves him. They're all like, yay, Ron, yay, Ron. And, they, and, and Ron and Harry talk about, what, what is what is this? And, and a, an adult comes and explains to them, when you look in this mirror, you're seeing the thing you desire the most. And so if we were to be, be able to look in a magic mirror like that, what do you think you might see? I, I can almost assure you, because we're all human beings, that although we're Christians and we desire God and we want to make Him the top, we want to exalt Him above all others, there are times in all of our lives when we would look in that mirror and we would see something besides God that we desire the most. And that we think, if I could just get that, if I could just get that one thing, my life would all, everything would be okay. And the adult in that story, in that children's book, says we must hide this mirror because people have wasted their life away staring in this mirror, and it just distorts their life. It takes away from the purpose of what their life should really be about while they stare and think about and wish for and just think, if only I could have that one thing. So here's the deal. It's not a matter of getting rid of desire. That's not the point of of what we're looking at here in Psalm 95. It's a matter of shifting the desire we have from other gods, from other things in the mirror that distort to the real God to Jehovah God, because here's the truth. If if the thing in the mirror for you, if the rock that falls for you, if the gem you're looking at is God, if He is your God, and the most important thing, I want you to hear this, He will satisfy you if you get Him. And He will forgive you if you disappoint Him. He will satisfy you if you get Him, and He will forgive you if you fail Him. I want you to understand, other gods, little g-gods, they won't do that, what I just said. They will not do that. Other gods, little g-gods, they will not forgive you if you fail them. If your most important thing is money, and all you lose all your money, you, you'll you'll hate yourself for the rest of your life. If your most important thing is love and whatever, and you disappoint and you fail in in family or in love, you'll hate yourself and you'll be disappointed the rest of your life because that god will not forgive you if you fail. And nor, if you get that God, whatever that God is, let me tell you something, that God won't satisfy you either. Not completely. He won't satisfy you. So why worship? That's, that's the question number two, and we're going to move to question three. But why worship? Because we're already worshiping something. It's just simply a shift. Taking what we are worshiping, shifting it to the only one who deserves, who's worthy, who has worth. And that's Jehovah God. How can we do it? How can we do it better? How can we do it well? Well, because of time and because I want to just uh, move to this quickly, I'm not going to be subtle about this. I'm going to tell you there's four things, okay? And here they are. Here's four things that we need if we're going to worship God well. And this is the first one. We need community. We need community. It's, it's, so, it's so kind of in the psalm that you almost don't notice it if you're not paying very close attention. But if you start looking in verse 1 and 2, Come let me sing for joy to the Lord. Let me shout. Oh, wait. No, it doesn't say that. Come let us. Let us shout. Let us come before Him. Let us extol Him. Down in verse 6. Let us bow down. Let us kneel. The Lord is our Maker. He is the shepherd of us, His people, not me, His person. We need community. I love the story that C.S. Lewis writes about, about a small community of friends, three of them that he was very close friends with, and they met every week to talk about the Bible, share their life, pray. They all smoked pipes. You know, that was kind of the deal back then. So they'd sit around, smoke pipes, and talk about the Bible. And that was, that was his close, close community for him. The two people's names were Ronald and Charles. Those were his two friends. And Charles died. And it was horrible. And C.S. Lewis talked about how much he was going to miss Charles. But in the midst of his grieving, he thought, you know, one thing that will be great about this Is I'll get more of Ron. I'll get more of Ron or Ronald because Charles won't be here, and so you know more time and and we'll know each other better. And he found that was not true. He did not get more of Ronald. Why is that? Because there was only certain things about Ronald that he could know when they were with Charles. Because Charles pulled certain things out of Ronald that C.S. Lewis got to enjoy. And now Charles was gone. And so Ronald just, he didn't didn't get to know. He didn't get to know Charles the same way as he did before. There are certain things about God that we can only know well in community. If it's true about people, then how much more true is it about the infinite God? So we need each other so we can better know God. I'm going to say that again. We need each other so we can better know God. I'm about to call out about 15 or 20 people's names. Are you ready? Some of them may not even be here because I I worked on this during the week and I anticipated they'd be here. I'm about to call out your name. I'm going to call it one time. And my invitation is for you when I call your name to walk up here and stand on stage. And I promise I won't embarrass you, okay? I promise. If you trust me, come up here and stand on stage. If you don't, then you can stay in your seat and we'll deal with that later, all right? Uh, It's going to hurt my feelings. Here you go. As I say the names, just start walking up. Here we go. Jim Linenberger, Nell Hartgraves, Brandon Reynolds, Tyson, uh, Billy Whittle, Sophie Jackson, uh, Mike Davis, Colin Bobery. Nobody's coming. Let's go. Little kids are going before all you adults. What's your problem? Let's go. Come on. Uh, Dee, Dee Alcantar, Cindy Carey, Ann Spence, Twyla Wetzel, Bill Woolley, uh, Bo Perry, Freddie Velasquez, Dennis Moore, Alex Wilson, and Rod Mays. These are all people that are part of our community. You guys move over this way a little bit now so everybody can stand up here and fit in. These are all people who are part of our community. These are all people who are part of your life. If you go here to Gateway, they're people who are all a part of my life. And if they were to suddenly, if if the aliens came and whoop, they just disappeared, you know, took them up into the spaceship, we would miss them. I mean it'd be like, man, bummer, you know, they're not here anymore. We'd miss them. But I want to tell you something. It's not just that we would miss them. There's something much more than that. There are certain things because of each of these people that I know about my God. And you know why? Because I see it in their life. Nell Hartgrave, I know the heart of God because of this woman right here. Sophie Jackson, I know about the creativity of God because this is a very creative woman that uses her creativity for the Lord. Brandon, I know about the innocence of God because there's something innocent about this guy it's not about his age. It's about who he is. Freddy Velasquez, I know about the encouragement of God because of this brother right here. See? Colin Bovary, I know about the humor of God because of this guy right here. And I'm thankful for that. God's got a sense of humor. Mike Davis, I know about the passion of God. This guy doesn't do anything halfway. This guy does stuff with passion. And that's what God is like. And I know God better because of Mike Davis. Cindy Carey, I know about the friendliness of God. If you don't know Cindy and you happen to be at Walmart, get ready to make a new friend, okay? And she's my friend. Jim Linenberger, I know about the majesty of God because it's the most important thing to him in his life, the majesty of God. And so I know God's majesty more. Dennis Moore, I know about the truth of God because of Dennis Moore. Bill Woolley, I know about the service of God because this man right here delivers Meals on Wheels to people that are younger than him. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> kind of threw you under the bus there. Sorry, but I, I meant it as a compliment, okay? Beau Perry, I know about the purity of God. There's something about this young man right here. And I know more about the purity of God because of him. I know about the gentleness of God because of my sister Anne. Because she has a gentle way and a gentle heart. I know about the bread of life because of my brother Alex, who is hungry for God's word. He's not willing to just get a little bit, man. He is eating it up. And I know more about my God, Jehovah God, because of these people. Thank you, God. Would you guys thank God with me for these people? Thank you, guys. Thanks. That's what we need. We need a community so that we'll know God better, not just so we'll have friends and buddies and people we can go do stuff with and so we can come have a church service. Did he make it down okay? All right. And the more diverse that community is, the better. Because God is a diverse God. God is a diverse God. We need a community. Secondly, we need truth. How does the writer of this psalm know that God is a shepherd? How does he know that he created the earth? How does he know all these things? It's not because he feels that way. It's not like he's, I like to think about God as creator. I like that. I like to think of him that way. So that's what I'll do. No. He's accepting the truth from the prophets in the Old Testament about who God is. That's what Jesus said about God, that He is spirit and truth, and He's searching the earth, looking for people who will worship Him in spirit and truth. That's in John chapter 4. If you only pick and choose certain things that you like about God, and if there's things that you're like, I don't understand that, and I think I just want to leave that verse alone. I don't like that about God, so I'm not going to deal with... And I could talk about a lot of different issues i don't like that god is is has wrath i don't like that i think i'll just i'll just ignore that i'll pick the part i like or maybe you're maybe you're the opposite i don't like that god wants us to have peace with everybody i don't want to have peace with some people i want to kill some people okay and you just go i don't want to have that kind of god well if that's who you if that's what you want to do you're not accepting truth and you're not actually worshiping god you're worshiping something you made up. You're really kind of worshiping yourself. That's what you're doing and what you think. You can't really be a part of a community if you're only willing to submit to part. Here at Gateway, we try as best we can to accept this right here, all of it. And we don't interpret every single thing the same, and we have our disagreements, but we start right here with truth. you got to have community You've got to have truth and and we got to have spirit well it doesn't look like the spirit is in Psalm 95 and yet as you look at Psalm 95 what you see in verse 1 is this thing about presence come let us come into his presence verse 6 let us bow down let us kneel we want to be with him and so even though the holy spirit is not mentioned here even though god is obviously everywhere there, there is, if we do this in community and we do it with truth, then the Spirit sometimes makes us aware of His presence, and it is thick, and it is so real. His presence at some times in our life is so real. That can be when we're by ourselves. I'm not going to say it's not. But I have this conversation with so many people who say to me, well, John, you know, preacher, I don't need to go to church in order to have a relationship with God. I'm not going to argue with anybody about that. But I'm going to tell you this. I've heard people say, I go out on the golf course. I get on the golf course and I find God. And I'm like, that's great. Good for you. I don't. Okay, I don't find Him out there. I mean, I find temptation out there. I find temptation to say things I shouldn't. I find temptation to throw things and break things. But I don't, I don't exactly... And I'm not saying that you can't go out there and enjoy being outdoors and see God in the outdoors. I, I'm with you. I, I understand that. But let me tell you, I hear... So many times, in times like this, where people say, it was like God was speaking to me today. Most of the time when we go to the golf course, it's not like God was speaking to us. So many times when we've been right here and we're singing a song and we're moved into His presence in a way that I don't get moved there when I'm out hiking by myself. Most people, not everybody, but most of you probably in here You gave your life to the Lord and you probably gave your life to the Lord when you were moved, when you were with His people somewhere. That's usually where that happens. Some of us, it happened on our own by ourselves. But a good worshiper is in a sense a little bit like a good sailor. Sailors can't make the wind blow. We don't try to create the Holy Spirit doing anything here at Gateway. The Holy Spirit does anything He wants. He blows where He wants. He starts blowing whenever He wants. That's all His work and His business. But when He does, a good worshiper pays attention, and, and catches the wind and lets it move, lets him move us. And that happens oftentimes when we're together. So we need community, we need truth, we need spirit, and the last thing is this. We need Sabbath rest. Gospel, Sabbath, rest. The end of the psalm, you know, it's a great psalm. You know, God, you're great. You know, you created everything. Let's come and let's worship him. Yes. And then it's like, wa, wa, wah. You know, it's like the end of the psalm. It's like, man, who wrote this? What a bummer. What a bummer way to end a psalm. What is he saying? He's telling us about the history of Israel. And he's saying they were heading for the promised land. They were heading for rest. But they got stubborn. They stopped listening to me. And they died. Hebrews revisits this. You can look at it in the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. But Hebrews asks the question, if Joshua did get that next generation into rest, then why is Psalm 95 there? That's what Hebrews 4 says. Why is Psalm 95 there? Well, he connects. The Hebrew writer connects the story of rest in the Old Testament to the gospel, to the good news in the New Testament. Because the land, the physical rest, was supposed to point to a spiritual rest that's available to all of us and that's what we find in the gospel what we find in the good news of jesus christ the death burial and resurrection of jesus is that we can rest from all of our work we can rest from all our work you may be thinking oh that means when we go to heaven i'm talking about right now right now we can rest from all of our work do i mean we should be lazy and not active i didn't say that but here's the deal. Jesus came and lived a life that we should have lived. He died a death that we should have died. He resurrected a resurrection that I expect to resurrect. And that's where I'm depending on so I can rest because of that. Religion. All other religions in the world say, work hard. If you do this, or this, or this, this one thing, or these ten things, or these hundred, if you do this, God has to do something good for you. That's what religion says. That's not the gospel. gospel doesn't say that. The Gospel says the opposite. The Gospel says Jesus already did this for you. And because of that, you can receive that by faith and you can rest in His love. You can rest in His grace. You can rest in His acceptance. And there's so many Christians who are not doing that. They're working hard. And I'm not just talking about serving. I'm talking about they're working their way, thinking they're going to get to heaven on their works and being good people. And they're exhausted. They're worn out. If you don't understand the gospel, I'm telling you this, the end of this psalm is going to be about you. You're not going to rest. You won't rest. Because you're going to turn worship, even the things I've said, you're going to turn worship into another work, trying to get God's approval. Trying to get His approval through religion. And I'm encouraging you today, don't harden your heart to the gospel. Accept what He has done as complete and worship Him for that. Rest in Him. Because worship puts all of this stuff in our life in perspective. As we worship Him, we know Him better. As we know Him better, we worship Him more. And we go deeper and deeper and farther and farther and more and more of Him in that real, beautiful, amazing, huge-ness of who God is. And so I encourage you, to take the little jeweler's loop, the little eye thingy, and turn it right on, right here, right here, right on the cross, right on what He did for you, right on His death, right on His burial, right on His resurrection. Turn and look at it and put your faith in it. And everything else in our life in comparison, in comparison, is worthless. Because it is worth more than all. That truth is worth more than all. And because of that, we can rest in Him. And worship sets us on that kind of path. Worship that we exalt Him. We set Him to the highest place. We we say, He is the one thing that's going to fall in my life. And everything else goes around that. Everything else goes around Him. God, I just love these people. Thank you, God, for them. Thank you for how we see you in each other. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your spirit. And most of all, thank you for Jesus and the gospel. We exalt you above all else. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like prayers today, if you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you come and find me. Let's stand and let's sing.
1: You are exalted, Lord, Lord, above 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 all else. We
0: we place you on the highest place above
1: all all else. else. Right Right now where we stand.